0: The Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe, it's electrified. So you can boogie, woogie, woogie into the forest. Boogie, Boogie, woogie, woogie through the mud. Or boogie, woogie, woogie to work, where you boogie, woogie, woogie down the hall to your boss's office to tell him you quit. Sure got that! Then you boogie, woogie, woogie to the elevator. I see boogie, woogie, woogies after you, begging, please, take me with you. The electrified Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe. Learn more at jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.
1: This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101.
2: back to riffin with Raph and ad on 937 the ticket and the ticketfm.com
0: on the air <laughs> all right everyone we're back again wednesday night riffin with Raph and ad the quickest 2 hours of the week ad 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 Another Wednesday, another amazing interview coming
3: up. It is. You know, it's going to be a great interview. Um, you know, growing up, I, I had a good opportunity to be around a lot of people, um, you know, as a young kid in the program, just because, you know, I was one of the ball boys and all that stuff. And this this next coach we have on was one of those ones that, that always took care of me, always looked out for me. You know, all of them did, but, but Coach D really looked out for me a lot, man. Him and Charlie, I was driving the, you know, the... <laughs> Golf carts around the stadium, back down to the pits of the part of the stadium. Folks, we have on tonight former Nebraska defense, defensive backs coach, Coach George Darlington. Coach D, how you doing tonight, sir? Don't think he's quite we're on you. Not yet, quite either. on you. Still, yeah. we're working on it. We're working on. Coach D, how you doing this evening, sir?
2: Uh, doing well, thank you.
3: That's great. That's great, Coach. Thanks for being our guest tonight. We appreciate it.
2: Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Got to fill time whenever you can. That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were um, we were talking about sports movies earlier. Do you have any sports movies that stick out for you through the years of your favorites?
2: Not particularly. No, there's a few of them that've been funny, but uh,
3: um, not really. <laughs> Coach, growing up, you come from East Coast, come from Jersey. Tell us what it was like for you growing up, where you grew up. At. We know, but like to our listeners, they just see Coach Darlington, you know, the former coach, and just what you did while you were here in other places. But what was it like for you growing up? Where did you grow up at, go to school, and all those good things?
2: I went to Stonewall Jackson High School in Charleston, West Virginia, and I walked on at Rutgers. They didn't have – scholarships at that time, I had never been in the state of New Jersey, and uh, so the first time I ever saw the state, I was at, uh, my parents had driven me to uh, Rutgers, and then, uh, you know, after Rutgers, uh, I went to Stanford Graduate School, and I'd been offered a job back in New Jersey by Sam Timer who had been a very successful high school coach and had unfortunately been a part of the longest losing streak (laughs) in college football at that time at uh, the University of Virginia. And then, of course, uh, staff got fired, and you might think, well, that wasn't uh, very good. But uh, one of the men he worked with was a guy named Don Shula, Oh, who did pretty good uh, later on. Uh, basically, their academic requirements were so much higher than the other schools in the ACC at that time that uh, they just didn't have very good talent because they obviously, there are other men that you might not know the names of who were went on to be very prominent in their fields. But anyway, I coached in New Jersey for two years with Sam, which was. And Red Kellen, which was a great experience for me because they really set the parameters um, of what you should do in a a job and basically be loyal to your uh, uh, person that hired you. Uh, Because at the University of Virginia, you can imagine going through a 25-game losing streak, there was an awful lot of backbiting and Stuff like that, so that was one of the things they were adamant about. And I, I played the US, the National Championship uh, game for the uh, lacrosse uh, tournament down in Annapolis, and uh, met a man who hired me at my next job at Lebanon Valley, and then went to Dartmouth for one year, and then went to San Jose State with a former. Uh, Coach from uh, Rutgers and was there four years during the all the Vietnam revolts and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Saw things that you would uh, think were made up by Hollywood, but, uh, but they weren't. There were marches and rallies. And what would happen, the uh, radicals were very smart, they would uh, target a particular Bay Area school. Uh, one They might go to Cal on Monday and they might go to San Francisco State on Tuesday, and then Stanford, they'd go uh, target that Stanford University and the next day come to San Jose State. It was very coordinated and there would be riots and marches and stuff like that. So, uh, needless to say, getting hired here at Nebraska was uh, quite a quite a nice deal especially when I had no job and Tom uh, mistakenly <laughs> for <him laughs> hired me Mistakenly, I uh, very <laughs> thankful for that so that was kind of how I ended up here and of course we were blessed to uh, have uh, very good players and uh, a tradition because uh, in 1973 they had come off two national championships in 72, they, uh, could very well uh, played in another national championship game. So we inherited good talent. And of course, uh, uh, Tom Osborne, uh, probably is undoubtedly the best college coach that has ever been to this date. Um, and Nick Saban would tell you that, of course. And, uh, <laughs> It was, um, needless to say, experience. There were a lot of ups and downs, but the main thing is there were so many good players, uh, good players that maybe hardly ever saw the uh, field, but uh, practiced diligently in what I call the Nebraska blueprint, which has pretty much been abandoned, except for teams like Alabama that, uh, as you know, There were very few people ever standing around in teamwork,
4: Mm -mm. and they were the
2: only ones that did that. Were hurt, Mm -hmm. and uh, so everybody got uh, uh, a lot of workout, if you will. And first team, the second team defense never got fewer plays in practice until Thursday. Mm -hmm. So they were very well prepared. They had the same. Preparation as a first team, so if you had an injury during a game, you had a competent backup, which uh, uh, you know won some games for us because we didn't drop off the map once a quality player got hurt.
3: Mm -hmm. Coach, when you when you first got to Nebraska, what was your connection? Because I was doing some background and some research. It was was, uh, the San Jose coach. Uh, I'm thinking Coach Osborne knew through FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, gave a, gave his word and his um, uh, kind of just his confirmation, you know, referred you to it. How did was that true, or how did that come about to where you got connected with Coach Osborne in Nebraska in 1973?
2: Well, Coach King uh, was our head coach, and he and Tom had been at the first FCA conference, <laughs> and he was obviously trying to get a job for himself. But he also uh, mentioned me, and I guess because I'd, um, you know, been doing a lot of the recruiting in California for San Jose, mm-hmm. as along with other assistants. Uh, uh, but anyway, I got a phone call uh, the night before the FCA conference in Chicago, and I was literally sleeping on the floor
4: oh, wow.
2: between two beds because uh, San Jose. Uh, didn't even want to give us a plane flight to try to get another job Wow! and uh, people from, uh, uh, from AstroTurf, uh, fellow said, well, look, we've got two of us sleeping in this room. The only place you can sleep is, uh, we'll put a covers down. You can sleep on the floor and got a phone call the night before. And, uh, it was Tom Osborne. And of course, uh, he asked if I was going to be at the FCA uh, breakfast the next morning, and I was. And so he said, well, I'll see you there. And, of course, I knew from TV watching the Miami game, or the Notre Dame game on uh, the Orange Bowl hmm. when Nebraska slaughtered them. <laughs> I could I saw a picture of the new coach at, at Nebraska, a tall, skinny guy. And so I did recognize him, and uh, He basically, uh, you know, said, you know, hang on until I get back to you. And, of course, when you're out of a job from a very poor football program, you say, well, that's a nice way of getting brushed off. (laughs) But, of course, it, it wasn't the case, and he did offer me the job. Wow.
0: So what were your, like, first impressions of Coach Osborne? Did you think that he would turn out to be, you know, in our minds, the greatest college football coach in the history of college football?
2: Well, the main thing about Tom is the most consistent man I've ever been oh. around. Uh, whether there was tragedy or whether there was uh, a great win, let's say a national championship, and any uh, before, his demeanor pretty much stayed the same. And I've never been around a human being that uh, uh, keeps his emotions, I guess you'd say, in check and is pretty level Mm -hmm. um, and everything. And one of the things that was always a little bit of concern for me, and I got in trouble a couple of times, he would sometimes want something done, but he wouldn't say, now, George, you need to do X, Y, and Z. He would say, well, you might want to consider uh, this option. Well, uh, I took the words consider uh, (laughs) when I really (laughs) took the word that you you better get it done. It took me a while to figure that out. I'm a slow learner.
3: (laughs) Coach, we had Coach Samuel on uh, a few weeks ago. That was last week, in fact. Yep, we had Coach week. Samuel on. And I didn't realize you were his position coach when he got here.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sure was. And uh, and he was a real solid, real good player. And then I went on uh, to work for him <laughs> at uh, Northwestern, uh, uh, Southwestern Missouri State.
4: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. For a year,
2: and of course, followed his career. And, and uh, now he was a good, solid player. He was from Jersey mm-hmm. <laughs> and came to Nebraska. And there were some pretty good uh, football players that had been recruited from New Jersey in the seventies. Uh, that uh, uh, one became an All-American lineman, and the other one was a very good lineman. And they had a guy named uh, Reggie. Glover, who was uh, mm. recruited from there, and a good third-team middle guard until the first-team middle guard got hurt, and then the rest is history. Wow.
0: What year did you um, go to coaching defensive backs?
2: I think it was about 87. 87. You, know, so you ask hard questions. Yeah, out- we, we we ask those hard hitting <laughs> questions here. <laughs> yeah, I coached uh, what people would call obviously outside linebackers for thirteen years. Was blessed with uh, four first team all Americans wow. and another uh, another batch of very very good players, and uh, then moved to coach the secondary. So for the was last it seventeen years?
0: Was it Coach Samuel then? When you moved to DBs, is he who stepped in at the outside linebackers and defensive ends?
2: Yes, I think it was. He came from uh, uh, Northern Michigan, I mm-hmm. think, where uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, people from uh, the, the uh, fellow from the Denver Broncos. Yep, his uh, dad Stanford coached with
0: Jack Elway.
2: yeah. I have a funny story about Tony when he went to uh, Stanford. Uh, as often happens, which is normally problems for the coach, mm-hmm. he had to pick a place to live in the, uh, the Northern California area. And uh, he got a realtor lady to show him around, and uh, he uh, said, I can think I can afford to pay such and such. So the lady took him to the worst neighborhood (laughs) in the San Jose area that uh, the students had just burned, tried to burn the school down. Oh, wow. And the the doors on the school were charred. And she took him to a dwelling, which uh, uh, wasn't very nice, but that way. And he said, well, I can't bring my family to live here in this neighborhood and at this house. And the lady said, well, you told me what you could afford, so I took you to what <laughs> what you could afford. And um, that's why I think Stanford still has a shared ownership program when they hire professors and faculty. Mm. Uh, they know what they're paying you, and then they buy your home with you. So if you eventually leave and go somewhere else, they'll take from the sale. They're cut out of it, but uh, you just can't afford to live out there on uh, what you know Midwest salaries, I should say.
4: Mm-hmm. So
2: that was always a funny,
4: mm-hmm.
2: funny thought because uh, I know the, fir- the first recruiting trip I took for San Jose was to Ravenswood High School. And so I saw that the doors had been burned. And there's no paint on them and everything. And then from there, I went up to uh, where Patty Hearst High School was because uh, they're in reasonably close proximity. And I, I can't say for sure, but I think the students at lunchtime were sitting in the hall smoking dope and i went to that high school so it was kind of a, from poverty to extremely rich high school and that's northern california in the uh, in the early uh, late 60s early 70s mm-hmm.
3: coach you you think about you make that switch to defensive backs and you've you coached some amazing defensive backs over the years. You know, I think some of the, the great ones. I can remember going to be one of those to rate your best or anything like that. But growing up, I remember the the Brett Clarks, um, of course, the, the Charles Friars. I mean, before those guys, you also had um, – oh, you had – oh, goodness. I remember until 87 he was coaching defensive ends. And- defensive ends, yeah, until 87. But even if thinking defensive ends, though, I mean, both oh, yeah. of those. I mean, you, you coach some great players. What was your coaching philosophy when it come to coaching? I'm going to go from DBs. That's when you coach the longest that I've known you. What was your coaching philosophy? How did you spot out a good defensive back?
2: Well, a big thing is by repetition at any position, uh, you know, you obviously know their height, weight, and speed.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And then by uh, practice, you – hopefully have an eye to pick uh, who should be first team, who should be second team, etc. cetera. Uh, the one thing that I always uh, have done and did was to visit pro football camps mm-hmm. the last of July and got to the point where there were a couple Buffalo Bills being most prominent that literally knew that I was there to try to learn. So, the coaches went out of their way and gave me every film that they had from the season before, gave me a projector and a room, and Dallas Cowboys gave you a defensive playbook Hmm. when you came to their practices. Well, if you really wanted to see, okay, what defenses do they run, then you you, uh, get there and just read-through thing, and I'll assure you it took a long time,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and write any notes that you thought, oh, well, we could adapt and use that here at uh, Nebraska. One thing people don't realize, before I became the defensive backfield coach, we never recruited defensive backs. Uh, you mentioned Brett Clark. I don't know what he was recruited as, mm-hmm. but uh, We just took the third-team running backs and wingbacks and moved them to defensive backs. Wow, that's wild. The main thing that I – the only thing that I mentioned to Charlie and Tom about the move is I want us to start recruiting defensive backs. Right. Because we were struggling against Florida State, against
4: Mm
2: -hmm. at times Oklahoma with the great wide out, out of the wishbone that our DB could do everything he was trained to do to the best of his ability, but he didn't have the skill set of who he was trying to cover after 20 yards. And Mm -hmm. there were a couple games we lost very close games simply because (coughs) we didn't have a player uh, of a skill set on the field against a single receiver. Doesn't mean the player didn't do everything he could Uh, You couldn't criticize him in the meetings. Well, hey, you got beat for a touchdown. Well, Coach, I did everything I was supposed to do. Well, you knew he did, so you Mm -hmm. wouldn't criticize that. And that was uh, a big factor when uh, we started recruiting more by position, not by area. Mm. You have an area, but uh, uh, just because you had a pretty good running back In California, there might be a better one in Texas or New Jersey or Florida. Well, The coach coach, coaching the running backs would rank them along with Coach Osborne, and therefore the talent uh, went up a little bit more uh, and gave us the opportunity to have undefeated seasons. Mm -hmm. All right, I got a
0: recruiting question for you now. I think the statute of limitations is over with now. So I was just wondering where, was there any like particular player that was close to coming to Nebraska that, (laughs) that kind of maybe haunts you a little bit at night going, man, he probably should have been at Nebraska, but is there anybody like that? Maybe the Nebraska fans didn't know about that turned out being like a really great player, maybe a great NFL player, hall of fame player, anything like that?
2: Oh yeah. There was one in particular, uh, he was, um, and I think he was from Colorado, I think, and he ended up at Oklahoma State. Well, if you're a great uh, player, not that Oklahoma State wasn't a real challenge, because they were, you wouldn't turn down Oklahoma or Nebraska normally to go to Oklahoma State. <laughs> well, he uh, they never beat us, and uh, one year, I know, he told one of our players, "I wish I'd come to Nebraska when the score was out of hand." But <laughs> he, he became the vice president of a bank in Oklahoma after his freshman year. Now, AD is a pretty sharp dude, but I would I know uh, John Bittman wouldn't hire him to run Cornhusker Banks. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> out of high school. So anyway. He uh, he became the vice president of this bank. Well, the coach from Oklahoma uh, saw the coach from from uh, Oklahoma State, and you know, with a few expletives, says you're the biggest cheaters on earth, and uh, blah blah blah. And you got this kid; he's the vice president of a bank. What a what a payoff! And the Oklahoma State said to Barry. Well, that might be true, but he just foreclosed on a loan from one of your players who hasn't paid for his his, uh, his car payment. And, of course, uh, the NCAA couldn't do anything because the, man, the freshman going into his sophomore year was at the office every day. He was doing the functions that... Uh, he was capable of doing, but he obviously wouldn't be the first guy that you'd hire as the vice president of a bank.
3: No, no. And
2: uh, another story that we had, we lost a running back to uh, TCU back when TCU was not very good at all. And uh, by happenstance, uh, the, a president of a bank in that area after the recruiting was over uh, told I think Tom that uh, you know it was kind of interesting this lady who is a, a domestic uh, maybe makes 20000 a year if she's lucky came into the bank and deposited a $10,000 check and obviously those were that was a blatant, blatant buy off oh, yeah. of, uh, of that player and you Again, not taking anything away from any school, but you're not going to turn down Oklahoma to go to TCU at that time, Mm -hmm. uh, nor us. And uh, so you had some stories like that, which were unfortunate. And uh, But, uh, you know, you just had to work around it. Uh, I had a mother one time, uh, and we ended up getting the player. Uh, she couldn't understand why I wouldn't give her gifts like a coach from another school and and I would say well it's not legal for us to do that because she was not real excited about Nebraska because after all she got nice gifts from one of these West Coast schools and why should my son go there because you guys don't even care for me and uh, we ended up getting it thankfully and he was a good player. Uh, so you had a few stories like that over thirty years of of coaching here, and yeah, you lost some. You know darn well that something fishy happened, but uh, you know you had no
3: control over it. No control, Coach. Before we go to break, I want to ask you this: Was one of those? Tell us about the Marshall Falk recruiting. Well, Marshall Falk. Uh, I think the thing that happened is. We
2: were pretty adamant, if we're going to recruit a guy, let's tell him what position we're recruiting him for, which uh, really was kind of a mistake, <laughs> and when we recruited him, we were talking to him about being a DB. He would have been, obviously, a tremendous DB, and it was foolish because we should uh, had situations in the past where we recruited a player for one position and he became outstanding at another position. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was a factor. The big factor really was uh, there was (laughs) a San Diego State coach who was um, from the neighborhood in New Orleans, and uh, he was a factor in him going to San San Diego State. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, you know, you hear various stories about uh, what we did or what we didn't do. We were very honest with him what we were recruiting him for. And we fortunately changed our tune after that. And (laughs) and, uh, within reason, just let people try out at a position they thought they could play and then, if necessary, move into another position. The big factor was a neighborhood coach uh, from that school at uh, San Diego State. And it became really comical because we ended up getting the player from junior college the next year whose brother was slated to be the starting running back at San Diego State. And he ended up second team to Marshall Falk. He ended up playing in the pros for uh, the Eagles, I think. But when we uh, went to recruit his uh, brother in junior college, the mother was basically felt every coach was an absolute liar. (laughs) And she made it very uncomfortable on coach Osborne and coach Brown. And uh, fortunately they warned me when I went out there the next week that she's not going to
3: be a happy camper. So (laughs) just be prepared. (laughs) Coach, we're going to pay some bills real fast. We're going to come back. I want to talk more about – I really want to get into um, the championship runs, the Florida State missed calls of 93, your coaching one-on-one. You've been teaching that for a while, and just your recruiting philosophy as well. Folks, we were Coach Darlington, former defensive backs coach in Nebraska with, with, with Raf and AD on 93.7 the ticket this
1: is the 30 second stereo radio for trade school in the home depot spot code yhtfd d r g a zero spot title project planning homeowner 101 so you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own let's make a plan take a free workshop from the home depot and get live help from our expert associates